In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This is the start of history, creation, with the very words of God, the universe and all its massive, incredible brilliance was created. From the infinite universe to the microscopic size bug, from the mountains to the depths of the oceans, all created by the very words of God. And God's final creation, the only thing created with his hands, God created man. And then God breathed into man, and man became a living soul. And God took a rib from that first man, and God created the woman. And that man and woman, Adam and Eve, were created and lived in the paradise that God had created for them. Around the throne of God were angels worshiping, and one angel, Lucifer, decided he would be the one worshipped. And God threw Lucifer out of heaven, and with Lucifer, one-third of the angels who followed him. And Lucifer wanted the worship of God's creation, and the creation God loved the best was mankind. And this started the story of our world, our history, the fight for the souls of man. God had given Adam and Eve the perfect world to live in, and he also gave them the ability to choose to follow God. In the middle of the garden was one tree they were not to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Lucifer appeared to Eve and told Eve that if she ate that fruit, she would receive the knowledge that would make her as wise as God, the secret knowledge that she was lacking. She ate the fruit, and so did Adam. And in that moment, She understood evil and sin, and sin came into the world, and with it came death. Satan had won. He had destroyed the creation that God loved, or had he? God did punish Adam and Eve, and they were thrown out of the garden and forced to live in the world their sin had created. Thorns grew, weeds grew, and Eve experienced the pain of childbirth. But God also sent blessings, the fruit and vegetables for them to eat, and the animals to provide the meat for them to eat, and the children they were given as a special blessing. The best of all, a promise. This was not the end. One day God would send a rescuer who would free the world from the curse they were living under. God had a plan, and he knew every detail of that plan. Lucifer knew God had a plan, but he didn't know and doesn't know the details of this plan, except for what God has revealed to us. So he knew a rescuer was coming, and his goal was to find that rescuer and kill him. Lucifer continued to persuade the men and women to follow him, and they would be as great as God. They could even be God. The world became so corrupt and evil that God saw he had to start over again. There was only one family that was following God, Noah and his family. So God told Noah to build a large boat to keep his family safe. And Noah and his family built the ark. And then God sent two of every kind of animal into the ark. And then God shut the door and sent the flood. The world was destroyed. And after 40 days and nights, Noah and his family left the boat and started again. But it didn't take long for sin to take hold again. 
Soon a descendant of Noah was building a tower to declare himself God. He would rule and his tower would be so high that if a flood came again, he would be safe. This man would rule the world and would be God. His tower would be as high as the heaven and would even reach heaven. It was the plan of Lucifer, a one-world government with a man he controlled on the throne. The tower was in a place called Babylon. This was Lucifer's plan, to use a man to have world dominance and destroy the creation God loved. God then divided the people with languages, and the people were scattered all over the earth. Lucifer's plan had failed, but it was a plan he would repeat over and over. God then called one man, Abraham, to leave his home, and God would create a great nation with him and his wife, Sarah. Both Abraham and Sarah were old, and while they followed God and obeyed him, they did not believe he could give them a child. So Abraham took his servant, Hagar, and had a child with her, Ishmael. But God did give Sarah a child, Isaac, and it was through Isaac that God planned on sending his rescuer. Isaac had two sons, Esau, his firstborn, hairy and strong, and Jacob, the younger, smaller, smooth-skinned son. And God said it would be through the line of Jacob that he would send his rescuer. And Jacob had 12 sons. And God changed his name to Israel and said it would be through the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, that he would bless the world. And Jacob had a favorite son, Joseph. And the other sons, in a fit of jealous rage, sold Joseph as a slave to Egypt. And Joseph was sent to Egypt. Lucifer tried to destroy Joseph. He was lied about and thrown in prison and forgotten. But God did not forget about Joseph and raised him from a prisoner to the second highest in command. And when his family needed help, Joseph forgave his brothers and saved their lives. Joseph and his 12 sons and their children moved to Egypt to be safe and they grew into a great nation of Israel. Lucifer had failed again, but he had another plan. 400 years later, a pharaoh rose up and turned the nation of Israel into slaves. The pharaoh ruled as a god himself, and it looked as if Lucifer had won. His plan, once again the same, use a man to declare himself God and rule the world and destroy God's creation, and now especially the nation that God was going to use to rescue the world. But God rescued a tiny baby named Moses an Israelite who grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. And then at the age of 80, God meets with Moses at a burning bush and tells Moses, I am the great I am. And God, the I am, is going to use Moses to free the Israelites. God sends nine plagues on the Egyptians, but Pharaoh will not free the Israelites. Then God sends the 10th plague. He warns the people, to put the blood of a lamb over the door of their home to rescue them from the plague. And the firstborn in each family dies, except the homes covered with the blood of the lamb. They are passed over and the Israelites are free and they leave and march towards the promised land only to be met by the Red Sea. Then Pharaoh sends his army to kill them. Trapped between the Red Sea and the army, they cry out to God who opens the Red Sea, and they walk through on dry land. The army of the Pharaoh races after them, and the waters cave in on the army, and they are killed. God meets with Moses on Mount Sinai and gives him the Ten Commandments. 
the people marched to the promised land and then sent 12 spies in to search that land. 10 tell the people it's hopeless and 2 remind them that God is on their side and nothing is hopeless. The people follow the 10 and try to return to Egypt. God punishes them by having them wander in the desert for 40 years and only the two spies, Jacob and Caleb, are alive when the group meets once again at the promised land. This time, the children, now grown and adults, stand and trust God. God shows his power by crumbling the walls of the great city Jericho. Joshua is the leader now, and he divides and conquers the land, setting up areas for each of the tribes of Israel. He is the judge, and when he dies, God appoints new judges. We have judges like Deborah, Samson, and Gideon. But the people of Israel do what's right in their own eyes. They turn from trusting God and instead trust themselves. They want to make themselves God, except for a few people like Ruth and Samuel. The people of Israel then tell God they want a king. He gives them Saul, who has no heart for God. And then King David, who has a heart after God's own heart. And then Solomon, who walks away from God. And then the kingdom of Israel is divided in half. Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Israel has 19 kings. Judah has 20 kings. Israel has no kings who love God. Judah has only 8 kings who love God. God sends prophets to tell them to turn their hearts back to him or he will take his hand of protection off of them. The people kill the prophets. Then Syria attacks Israel. They are scattered all over the world. Babylon attacks Judah and they are taken captive for 70 years. And then on the spot where that first tower was built, the first time Lucifer had raised a man up to be like God and tried to set his throne above God, the spot of the Tower of Babel, Babylon, another great leader, has risen up. And Lucifer looks to be winning again. God's chosen people are scattered or captive and they've turned their hearts away from their creator. But not all of them have turned their hearts away. There are some captives, like a man named Daniel, who still love and trust God. God gives Daniel a vision of the rest of the world, of the rest of the ages. Babylon would be overthrown by Persia, which would be overthrown by Greece, which would be overthrown by Rome, who would turn into a monster with ten horns, and one horn becoming the ruler of the world. That will be the most evil human ever, and who will be overthrown by Jesus himself. And in Daniel's lifetime, Persia overthrows Babylon. And under the Persian rule, Judah is allowed to return back to the promised land. Zerubbabel rebuilds the temple. Nehemiah builds a wall. And during this time, Esther, who's still in Persia, becomes the queen. God is then silent for 400 years. And during this time, Alexander the Great comes to power and Greece overthrows Persia. But Alexander the Great dies suddenly and his land is divided between his four generals. The four areas of land eventually begin to fight with each other and one leader, Antichus, attacks the people of Judah. 40,000 killed and another 40,000 taken as slaves in just one day. And Antichus then goes into the temple, puts up an idol of Zeus and demands worship. And it looks again like Lucifer has won. The temple of God is now a temple to Lucifer. And the people of God are destroyed, and God seems silent. 
Then the Maccabees rise up and fight for freedom and win, and the temple is cleansed, and the people will celebrate this day as Hanukkah until even today. And once again, Lucifer's plan is ruined. The Maccabees rule Judah, a free nation, for the first time since Babylon has taken them captive. But just two generations later, the leaders of Judah have once again fallen away from God and followed the lie of Lucifer that they could be their own gods. Until Queen Salome Alexandria, who loved God and brought the nation back to God. But then after her death, her children turned their backs on God again. And this time, Rome marches in. And Rome marches in with an iron fist, just as Daniel had prophesied. And then into the world comes Jesus. Into this world that has turned their backs on the Creator, that is filled with pain and sickness and sin and death, comes Jesus. God himself became one of us so he could feel our pain, feel our sadness, feel death. It was time. The rescuer had come. He gave sight to the blind, made the lame walk, fed the hungry, and brought people back from death. And still, his creation turned on him. His friends betrayed him. He was beaten, spit on, and nailed to the cross. And the very one who spoke our vast universe into existence, the very one who formed us, we, the human race, killed him. And as he died, the earth shook, the sun went black, and it looked like Lucifer had won the final battle. It looked like this was the final victory. But what couldn't be seen was the rescuer was taking the punishment for the sins of the world. He was dead, but it was his death that was the rescue. And yes, it looked hopeless. For three days, it looked hopeless. And then Jesus rose again. He came back to life. He had triumphed over death. And suddenly, Lucifer knew his time was limited. He was going to have to set up his plan, and it would have to be done quickly. But God had another plan. God sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come on the followers of Jesus, and the church was born. We have the early church age. Lucifer can see what the church is capable of doing, and he does what he can do to stop it. He raises up another man who sees himself as God, and Nero kills the men and women of the church, but the church only grows. So Lucifer tries again and raises up Titus, who destroys the temple of God, but the church only goes stronger. And Lucifer raises up another man, Domitian. And this man kills hundreds of men and women of the church. But the church only grows, but the church only grows stronger and spreads farther. And then God gives a man named John a special revelation, a look into the future of what is going to happen. John gets to see what that final battle between God and Lucifer will look like. Lucifer will try once again his plan of raising a man to rule the world. But this time, this man will rule the world. He will come shouting peace, but will want war. He will confirm a treaty with the nation of Israel that will last seven years. He will give everyone a mark on their hand or their forehead that will be used to buy or sell things. And then, after three and a half years, he'll be hit in the head and it will be a deadly wound, but he will not die. And then he will enter the temple of God and set himself up to be worshipped. He will turn on the Jewish people and the followers of Jesus and will kill them. 
and the wrath of God will pour out on the earth. And then after seven years, Jesus himself will return and will battle. And as he spoke creation into existence, he will simply speak. And Lucifer and the man who has raised himself up as world leader and his followers will be destroyed. The book of Revelation is written and God puts a special blessing on anyone who reads it and studies it because God wants his followers to not be afraid and to know what is going to happen. And then comes the persecuted church. Lucifer continues to attack the church. He raises up more men to kill the leaders of the church, but great men such as Clement, Justin Martyr, Valentine, and women like Perpetua stand strong while being burned alive, thrown into the ocean with anchors around their necks, eaten by lions, or beheaded. And then Lucifer attacks the church with false doctrines like Gnosticism and the hunt for special knowledge. He pulls people away from the church with the same lie he used in the garden. If you follow me, I will give you the special knowledge. You need to be as great as God. And then comes the age of the compromising church. We have a new leader named Constantine, and he becomes part of the church. And then we have the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople and great men like Augustine and Athanasius. And the church is growing and organizing and becoming even powerful. And Lucifer attacks with more false doctrine. But then an even harder attack, the merge of Roman paganism and the church. The pagan leaders wanted power, and if the church has power, they want in. Pagan temples become churches. The pagan gods become saints. The pagan holidays become Christian holidays. And within just a few generations, the church is hardly recognizable. And that brings in the age of the corrupt church. Lucifer ends up raising another man to try to take over the world, Muhammad. The church at this time believes that this man is the one prophesied in the book of Revelation. He starts out with a new religion, with words of peace. But by the end of his life, he's turned into a warlord, taking control of vast amounts of land and wealth, and killing anyone who doesn't worship his new religion. Lucifer also attacks the church with more false doctrine in the church and the political power in the church. But even during this time, God raises up great men who are willing to stand for truth, like John Huss and Wycliffe. Then comes the age of the Reformed Church. God continues to raise up great men who read the Bible for themselves and who are willing to speak out against the corruptions in the church. Men like Martin Luther and Menno Simons. And the Bible begins to be spread in multiple languages, and other great books like Pilgrim's Progress are written, and the common people begin to see the true good news of Jesus' grace. And then God raises up even more men, like William Tyndale, and the church spreads to more areas of the world, and brand new countries are formed in the Americas. And then comes the age of the missionary church. Capitalism is born in Europe, and God raises up more men and women who leave their homes and go to new countries to spread the good news. They teach forgiveness of sin through faith in God and his grace. They speak out against the horrors of slavery and child trafficking. Great people like John Wesley, John Newton, William Booth, women like Amy Carmichael, men like Samuel Morris, and people like Fanny Crosby, Hudson Taylor, George Mueller. It's the greatest time in church history. And then comes the age of the enlightened church. Lucifer is not giving up. 
He spreads the lie that men don't need God. They're enlightened now. One man even declares that God is dead. And what people don't know is that they're about to enter the deadliest century in the history of the world. From the very, very start, there has never been a hundred years with as much bloodshed as they are about to face. In the next 100 years, Lucifer will raise up 60 leaders who will try to rule the world and destroy any belief in God. 28 regimes, 60 leaders, and more than 110 million people will be murdered. World War I starts and kills between 15 and 19 million people. But throughout that time, God raises up great men and women like Eric Lindell or John and Betty Stan. Then comes World War II and Lucifer again raises up a man who wants to rule the world as a world leader, Hitler. And World War II led to the death of between 70 to 85 million people. But even during this time, God raises up men and women like Corrie ten Boone and Bonhoeffer. Then something amazing happens. Israel is reborn, and out of the land that had become a desert wasteland, the land begins to grow food again. Rain comes, and the land turns into a land that flourishes in the middle of chaos around them. Some of the men Lucifer begins to raise up are men like Karl Marx, who persuades the world they don't need God anymore. In the Soviet Union, they follow Karl Marx's teaching, and more than 60 million are killed. Lucifer raises up Lenin, who kills 4 million people, and then Stalin, who kills 42 million people. But Lucifer isn't done. Under Mao in China, more than 45 million are starved to death, worked to death, or killed. In 1948, North Korea becomes an atheist land. And within just the first few years, more than 3 million are killed. The killing continues to this day, and no one knows the numbers of death. And then in Cambodia, Pol Pot raged for four years. It killed 2.4 million people. That is one-fourth of the country's population. Then abortion becomes legal. And worldwide, 40 to 50 abortions each year. That's 125,000 every single day. Then the church begins to pay attention. And remember the prophecies of the book of Revelation and Daniel. There will be a one-world ruler. And the UN is created, the United Nations, one body that will rule the world. And there will be a treaty with Israel, and the nation of Israel is reestablished. And by the end of the year 2000, it is one of the most influential countries in the world, with world-class universities and inventions in medicine and tech that the whole world is using. And then we come to today. The church is divided between the Western church and what I call the persecuted church. In the countries where the church is persecuted, The church is thriving. China and Iran have the heaviest persecution and also the largest churches. In the West, we have shows instead of church. Preachers teaching that God wants you to be rich and famous. The easy life is God's way. Most of the Bible is not even read. And the book of Revelation and Daniel are forgotten. And into this time where the church is not paying attention, things begin to line up for that final battle. The UN gains more control of the world, and they outline a plan to control the world with a one-world government by 2030. A patent for a chip that will be placed in your hand that could be used for buying and selling is created. Plan to chip the world by 2020, 
with ID2020 started. A treaty with Iran is stopped with just seven years left on that treaty. And the leaders of the UN are in a constant call to confirm that treaty and finish the last seven years it's created. Then a virus escapes a lab in China and the entire world economy is crashed. And the UN steps up to take control of the countries with a program called World Health Organization. And the head of the World Health Organization is one man, Dr. Tedros, a leader of Ethiopian's brutal party, the Tigray People's Liberation Front, a Marxist party. So we have an organization setting itself up as a world leader with a Marxist no-God leadership, with patents to chip that would go in your hands and be used for buying and selling, with the nation of Israel, a thriving country that has treaties with many different countries and a world that is in, in chaos. And there's a call, Together at Home, sponsored by Global Citizen and World Health Organization. Does this mean it's the end of the time? The time prophesied in the Bible? Well, there's never been a time with so many things lining up. But from the garden, Lucifer has tried this plan over and over and over. And we do know that at some point, there will be the final battle. We don't know when that will be. Jesus himself said he doesn't know when that plan's going to be. And if Jesus doesn't know, Satan doesn't know. Will that final world leader be the one who puts all the pieces of the puzzle together? Or will he simply be the last piece of the puzzle that we are missing now? The temple and the world leader, the only two pieces missing of our puzzle. We will see. Perhaps like the times in the past, this plan will fail as well. But we do know that there will come a time when the things prophesied will all come to pass. But before that happens, those who are true followers of Jesus will be taken to meet Jesus in the clouds. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It comes down to this right now. Choose you this day who you will serve. The battle is not just a world battle. In your soul, there's another battle. Lucifer and God both want to sit on the throne of your life. Lucifer will tell you, you can sit on your own throne of your own life. That's a lie. It's a lie he's told from the beginning. You cannot be your own God. The truth is, you must choose God or Lucifer. The truth is, you're a sinner. And God himself came to take the punishment for your sin. And when you tell God that you are a sinner and you believe that Jesus is God, that he is raised from the dead, you will be saved. The choice is yours today. Choose you this day who you will serve. Time is running out.